Welcome to the Friday Evening Talk, which this week is the gentle art of assertiveness. Our speaker is Dr. Kala Iyengar. Dr. Iyengar has worked as a paediatrician and is now the director of the Peace Village Retreat Center, which is set in 300 acres of woods and greens in the Catkill Mountains in New York State. Tonight, we've asked um, Dr. Culler to explore with us with, whether it's possible to stand up for ourselves without putting other, others down. Is it possible to stand your ground even when it's uncomfortable or uneasy? Is it possible to say what you mean without being mean? <laughs> Basically, we know that assertiveness is a boost. It boosts our effectiveness, our self-esteem, and our relationships. So what are the tools that we need to create such assertiveness in our lives? Dr. Iyengar is going to speak for 40 minutes, and then she's going to do a short three-minute meditation. After that, I'll take the questions you send in and put them to her on your behalf. So send in your questions via the question and answer link or via the chat mode if you can't find your question and answer link. And I'll be happy to put them to you, put them on your behalf to Dr. Anger. Dr. Keller, over to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Arati for that most assertive introduction. <laughs> First of all, um, a very warm hello and welcome to all of you. And as you know, I've just been welcomed to London and I really feel I'm right there in central London with Sister Arthi sitting in front of the camera, you know, meeting all of you or even in person, why not? So this subject that was that we have you know chosen to cover today, um, you probably want to know uh, who chose the subject. And <laughs> of course, I chose the subject because there was like other options also. But thinking back, um, why did I choose the subject, the theme? Um, of course, the natural answer, why do you want to talk to anybody about anything? Um, it's because you need to hear it the most, correct? Um, so ironic, isn't it? That we're talking, I'm talking to you and to someone else about being assertive and I am the person that needs to hear and be encouraged and to be in that awareness of being assertive the most. And I say that because um, knowing myself and for anybody who knows me uh, from a few years ago, before I started my spiritual journey, consciously speaking at this, um, no one would have said, or even maybe in the recent times, nobody would have said, um, this is an assertive person. And even now at times, of course, I need to question myself how assertive was I 
before I expect somebody to to follow what I said or to even listen to what I said. Um, so there comes that thought of you know we're constantly in the process we're we are growing and assertiveness definitely is a big aspect of not just communication I think but it's of your whole life how you carry yourself how you conduct yourself how you convey a message you know uh, through various means and for a lot of us I think what it boils down to is the way we communicate through words but I think it's a lot more um, there's a lot more that happens before that happens before we communicate through words and there's also a lot more that needs to happen after we communicate through the words in terms of our life how we live our life so for me when I ask myself the question what am I talking about when I say assertive um I am actually emphasizing something, you know, I'm saying something, but I'm rather than just saying it and leaving it to the people to, to figure out how important it is, but I'm giving them the value or the importance of what I'm saying. Um, so that's what it means to be assertive. And, and in other words, I can say sometimes, you know, when you write a letter or when you write an article or when you write anything after your you know, communication, you kind of read it over. And there are certain aspects of the communication or the letter that you would either bold it or you would underline it, right? So I look at, uh, you know, assertiveness as this act of underlining something that I feel is stands out as being important. It's also reinforcing, you know, anything that you say, think of as important, you say two times, three times, <laughs> reinforce it. So you assert to yourself in different ways. So it's all of these things that, you know, something that is of importance to you, you are actually conveying that importance to the other person. Why do we do that? Why do we need to do that? You know, why can't we just say something and assume that people are going to take it in the same way that I said it? that they are going to feel the importance without me telling them it's important, for example, or emphasizing it. Because so often, so often, and I think it has a lot to do with the way that things are in the world rather than anything personal. Yes, of course, there are many personal factors in terms of how I speak and how I communicate and all that. But in general, in general, I see that there's so much happening in the world and there's so much information, there's so much communication, so much of sound, so much of, you know, uh, things and ideas that we have to absorb. That what I have to say may get drowned, may get diluted, may get just forgotten or not given importance to. And so it is, you know, becoming important aspect of, you know, living and communicating and relating to each other that we need to be heard. We need to feel heard. And we need to feel acknowledged for being heard, you know, what we have said, right? It's, it's almost like a basic um, need, right? It's, it's almost like a, a right, I should say, you know, usually we talk about the freedom of speech, right? <laughs> the right to be 
to have the freedom of speech, but it's also important, I think, the right to to feel heard. You know, not only to speak, but I want to be heard. To be, I want to be acknowledged. You know, so that um, you know it doesn't feel like I've spoken to a vacuum, uh, rather than people who listen and who can act on it and who can digest what I have said. We want to be effective, right? <laughs> a lot of communication has to do with saying something that we want the other person to understand and to follow. So we want to be effective, you know, or even if it's not that they have to do anything about it, but just the fact that they have heard it and they feel differently about something also means that I have been effective, right? And so, um, if we don't do that, what happens? Sometimes I could feel I am being manipulated, that I don't hold an importance, my views don't hold an importance, my values don't mean anything to someone. And therefore I feel um, I'm either ignored, neglected, or I could also be manipulated. You know, that, you know, I don't hold my own words in my own value. And therefore, it could be twisted, it could be turned, it could be manipulated. Or I could be misunderstood, misunderstood, not even consciously, not even willingly. But just the fact that I did not make myself clear, assert myself, means that I, you know, someone could have misinterpreted it or misunderstood it. And therefore, who is at fault? <laughs> of course, both of us, right? Many times. But I initiated that misunderstanding, perhaps, and so need to take responsibility for that. So many reasons why we feel that, you know, why this aspect of being assertive is so important, you know, in our life on a regular basis. And what happens if I'm not assertive, you know, and I'm not heard, what do I feel? The flip side of the coin, of course, is that I, you know, I'm not important. Nobody cares. Mm -hmm. They don't acknowledge me. And so my own sense of myself goes down. My own value for myself goes down because my words, my way of being, my what I communicate is a big part of me. So if that is not being valued, it means I am not being valued. And so the whole self-esteem, you know, the confidence with which I move around, the esteem that I hold myself in, all of that is disturbed. And so it's almost like um, if I feel I'm not, you know, heard, then it's like my rights are violated. You know, I have a right to be heard, for example. And if I'm not heard, you have violated my rights. And so how do I respond to that in, in return? Is I become violent. <laughs> I start resorting to, to more violent, more quote-unquote violent ways of communicating. And that violent way could come out as just an angry you know, comment or um, a raised voice or an arrogance or <clears throat> or it could be even an organized form of violence. I could get more people 
involved, look, this person did not listen to me, this, you know, they don't value me. I could get a few more people in my group, so to speak, I could gang up. Um, and so it has a lot of repercussions, I feel, if I'm not, you know, assertive in the right way at the right moment with the right person, right? So I could, you know, and a lot of the group, you know, violence and all of that, maybe because they just don't know how to communicate what they feel in the right way to the right person at the right time, right? They don't have an outlet to say what they have to say and therefore it comes out as either violent behavior or violent voices or whatever it may be. So where and who needs to be assertive? I think everyone, right? Everyone needs to be assertive. And why? <laughs> because as I said, we need to be heard. It's, you know, we always have a feeling that I need to be heard. And so whether I'm in a professional setting or in a work setting, interacting with my colleagues or my boss or my um, employees even, you know, whether it's somebody higher to me or whether it's somebody lower to me or whether it's somebody equal to me, it doesn't matter, I think. We all need to be assertive. <laughs> Some people would say that, you know, those in leadership positions need to be assertive. Perhaps, yes, of course. But what about the person that's not in an openly leadership in an open leadership position but is actually leading his own life right in that way that person is still leading someone something so even in, even so even if i am you know working at the last level you know in my company i think i still need have a need to be assertive there's a time and a place where i will need to communicate you know how I feel, what I need, what I can do, what I cannot do. Because if I don't do it at the right time, in the right way, if I take on all the pressure that's coming to me, sooner or later, one day, I will not be able to upkeep, will not be able to hold up what I thought I could, you know, get away with, you know. So I need to be very realistic about you know my own self my own limitations and communicate that also across the board so that people can listen but it depends on how i communicate whether i say it in an arrogant way whether i say it in an antagonistic way whether i say it with a lot of you know resistance and lots of guilt or whether I say it as a matter of fact, you know, I'm stating that because I know for a fact that I cannot do more than this, for example. I know, so just the way in which we communicate even at work, you know, at whatever level of relationship we are with, with anyone, I think it's still important. And on a personal level, you know, when we are in personal relationships, you know, I see this all the time, actually, between parents and children, right? <laughs> How important it is for a parent to be assertive with the children. 
and having been a, a pediatrician and listened to parents and you know with their complaints and all of that you know sometimes they would come and say you know my child doesn't listen to me doesn't take the medicine he doesn't do whatever <laughs> and I would ask the mother you know how did you how did you speak or how did you introduce this aspect of the medicine or whatever and I saw and very clearly in many instances that whatever is the tendency of parent is also communicated to the child unconsciously right right and whatever is the the attitude of you know the adult that's dealing with the child is also communicated you know so even though you may say at the top of your voice you should do this you shouldn't do this whatever but it doesn't mean a thing to the child unless I really mean it from the heart of hearts and I and I'm really communicating something that I believe in right so that's very very important and it's equally important in close relationships as I said you know in the beginning when people are close they can say, you know, I didn't think this was important enough to communicate and, and to, you know, to assert myself in that way. But then over a period of time, find out that it becomes a habit that someone can take advantage of you or your weakness or whatever, or even your strength for that matter. And so then it, it's too late down the game that you can be assertive because people have already formed that impression of you that you can already do this or you don't know to do this or whatever. So I feel that, you know, why not start straight, right? <laughs> and the important thing about this being assertive, I feel is, um, as I said before, how we do it, you know, how can we do it without offending someone? Somebody very, ni you know, very nicely wrote it, wrote it out, how can you convey what you mean without being mean, <laughs> without being mean? And I think that's always the dilemma that we are faced with. So let's talk about what is it that we have to be assertive about? You know, what is it that we want to communicate assertively? Usually it's a point of view, right? Something that you see in a particular way and you are getting that point of view across you know, from your point, from where you stand. And obviously there is the other person who is seeing it from where he or she stands and he already has a point of view. And you perhaps already know, you know that this person's point of view is different <laughs> and because you know the person perhaps, you know, and he already feels that way. So you are already conditioning your mind in the way that you know oh I am going to present a different point of view and I don't know if they will agree with that or not so there is that going on inside your mind or it could be an idea that you are you know presenting to a group to a team or whatever and again you know the same thing that other people could have other ideas other ways of doing the same thing um, and so you are actually influenced by how many people are in the room, how they're looking at you, how they're hearing you or not hearing you. And so you are diluting your message or your communication or kind of, you know, um, it's getting modified in the process 
of being aware of everybody. Yes, of course, we need to be very sensitive to who I'm speaking to and their background and their ideas. And I have to kind of modulate that. But at the same time, I should not be intimidated by that, right? So, or it could be a direction that I have to give to somebody to do it in a particular way, in a particular not way. And most of the times, you know, these are all valid, right? Point of view is valid. An idea is valid. A direction that you have to give to somebody, it's a, it's a valid thing that you have to communicate. And it's all kind of based on some kind of reasoning, some kind of knowledge that you have, perhaps some kind of even an experience you have you know, in the subject. And that's all very valid. But what happens when we are not able to communicate that in an assertive way or in a way that it can be understood and you know, absorbed in the same in a way that I'm communicating it is because it gets mixed up with emotions, <laughs> right? You know, and emotion is a big part of what we say. One is what we say in words, and the other is what we say in the tone of voice, the volume of voice, you know, in the way that the speed with which we speak or, you know, um, whatever it is. So when the reasoning part and the, the, the more valid part of our uh, communication idea gets mixed with that emotional element from within, that's when it gets tricky, right? And sometimes you feel, I feel so strongly about it, and you say it so strongly. But maybe that's exactly what is wrong. <laughs> In other words, you're saying it with such arrogance or such kind of force, so to speak, you know, because this is the way I feel. And so that's exactly the downer, you know, in that in that moment of communication. So because emotions are loaded and emotions many times are not making you effective. It actually decreases the efficacy of what we're saying. And I think you all know about those who have been, especially in this parenting role, for example, it's fine to correct your child, you know, say this is the way to do it and this is not the way to do it. But the moment you get angry and you stay it with this kind of ferociousness or this, I know, angry feeling and angry voice, you've lost it. You've lost your credibility with your child, right? But if you keep your calm and if you keep your intentions of course and then you communicate doesn't have to be a big you know loud voice but the child is willing to listen <laughs> right and we know that about different kind of people the more you know uh, some of the people who speak the softest for example are the ones that you really want to hear what they're saying or the ones who speak less are the ones who um, we want to know what they're saying. 
so uh, important for us to check our emotional state, especially when we have to communicate something that is important, right? So what are these things that happen inside our head before the words come out or before we actually convey a message in any way possible? And the first thing I feel is um, if it's an idea, if it's a point of view or whatever, it's how much uh, of a conviction I have inside that this is true, at least for me. It doesn't have to be true across the board, but for me, this is what I believe in. This is what I have seen, and this is what is my truth. So that conviction is very important. This is the right thing to do in this particular circumstance as far as I'm concerned. And you're not speaking for anyone else. You're speaking your own point of view, and you're stating it as a fact. And there needs to be clear thinking, right? You know, the other element of you know, before, you know, the thoughts that are happening in my mind, there needs to be clear thinking. I need, myself need to be clear. And in a particular situation, for example, that, it, that may be very complicated. Maybe there are certain elements that are negotiable. And maybe there are certain elements that are non-negotiable, for example. And can I differentiate the two and can I present the two separately, right? That I can tolerate this, but I cannot tolerate this, right? So somewhere we need to also state that as a fact, you know, that my own thinking in my terms, in terms of my own side of the equation, I need to be clear on that. And no matter what I feel, you know, no matter how difficult or how opposite my point of view may be, but my intentions and feelings for the person that I'm communicating with needs to be very clean. In other words, I'm not starting off an animosity group <laughs> just because my idea is different, right? So <clears throat> idea is a different thing, but the person is a different thing right and I am different thing so I cannot mix it up and so I need to still hold on to basic human feelings and values and that has to do with love that has to do with understanding that has to do with mercy that has to do with forgiveness even sometimes because I may have a past with person that I'm holding on to and I'm not willing to let go of it and therefore, it comes off in my communication with them, you know, in an emotional way, so to speak. And also, I feel, you know, is what I need to convey meaningful? Is it relevant? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes, you know, we may be going through a situation and we'll take out all kinds of excuses and stories from the way past when, but it may have no meaning and relevance at this time. So can I keep my communication simple to the point, to the present? You know, yes, you know, I can think about it inside my head, but in terms of actually bringing it forward, you know, to make a point, I think the, the more we minimize that, the better it is, right? So always minus the emotions, 
always add relevance and meaning to what you have to say and always be clear what what is it that you can negotiate what you cannot negotiate so to speak how do i know that i have effectively and assertively said something or conveyed something <laughs> what is what tells off you know is of her assertiveness is many things but in terms of how we speak especially in the words our tone of voice as i said the volume with which we speak right it's loud low doesn't have to be loud doesn't have to be too low either right because then of course people cannot hear you so it's you're not being low for the for the sake of being low but you don't need to be loud either right right so this is one of the the principles that we follow within the brahma kumaris is to speak softly and sweetly even if you have to say something that is quite harsh and you know that's not very uh, acceptable by the other person but i can still do it sweetly i can still do it in a soft voice right tone of voice is definitely you know it's it's actually a reflection of what i'm thinking what i'm feeling what my attitudes are it all comes out you know and this is where most of the misunderstanding also takes place i didn't say anything bad i didn't say i didn't mean it that way but it came out in the vibrations in the tone of the way i spoke about it and so it was misunderstood or misinterpreted right and so that's very important to clear my feelings uh, to to also make sure that the way it is reflected in my voice is also appropriate and of course i need to always choose you know fewer words the better it is because i don't have to state a fact in so many different ways of course in some instances you may have to do that right but most of the times i think the fewer the words the better it is but choosing my words carefully is very important and how fast do i speak or how slow do i speak it's also important right because again it carries vibrations the speed of my language also carries vibrations so that's you know i always tell people if i record myself when i'm talking to people right or if anybody can record themselves when talking to people you'll know exactly where you stand because we are not quite aware when we're actually doing it but if i'm hearing it afterwards after the fact as a bystander or as an observer or as a bystander you know as a listener i could probably pick up more from my voice in terms of my feelings my emotions my you know tone of voice all of that will tell me a lot more <laughs> so one good thing to do is an exercise is to walk around with the tape recorder with the recording device so that you can listen to yourself sometimes how effective we were how assertive we were on how much 
arrogant you were in the name of being assertive sometimes. Remember, this is the gentle art of assertiveness. So not to cross the line and be arrogant and to be um, you know, rude, so to speak, but to just make your point. What are the barriers to being assertive? I think, I mean, very mundane factors first. Language, right? If I don't know the language, I feel threatened, I feel intimidated, I can't communicate enough by myself. Sometimes that can be a barrier, right? Culturally, I think there can be barriers because we all have different standards of assertiveness, right? Coming from different cultures. You know, certain cultures are more are permissive, so to speak, to speak in a certain way. And in certain cultures, you cannot raise your voice more. <laughs> you cannot use certain words. But somewhere we have to find a middle ground, right? You know, to, to you know, and this took me a long time to, you know, there are certain things that I thought it was already understood more, you know, I didn't have to say it loud. You know, but you do need to make yourself explicit, you know, um, for example, and, uh, and uh, whereas in certain cultures, you know, you just don't say it out aloud. It's supposed to be perceived <laughs> by your body language or whatever. But in certain cultures, it needs to be perceived, you know, it needs to be spoken out that, yes, I am angry or something like that, or I'm upset. So um, you need to also, uh, this doesn't make me feel good. This doesn't make me feel right. Um, so it's fine to do that, you know, so that you can convey yourself completely. And as I said before, you know, my interactions with people definitely have laid a ground already. And so I'm already preconditioned in my mind. And so I'm already coming with some preformed opinions and that's already creating a little barrier in terms of how I communicate whether I'm more assertive or less assertive or whatever there are you know times in our life that I feel where you know we do have to be as much as we are prepared in all these ways but I think there are times when conversations can be difficult and yet conversations have to be effective and conversations have to be meaningful as well, right? So certain practices I thought, you know, on an ongoing basis, especially, you know, coming from the background of spiritual practice, of meditation, of knowing certain aspects of life through the lens of spirituality, you know, I have found certain things to be very valuable. So just wanted to share that. The first thing that I feel, you know, when we have to, whether it's a meeting, whether it's a group meeting, whether it's a one-to-one -one conversation or whatever, but, but I think the first thing I feel that's important, especially if I am entering into a conversation that is already expected, you know, it's not an unexpected something happening but if I'm expecting to meet someone and it's an important conversation 
there are certain things that I can do to prepare myself. And the first thing is, of course, positioning myself. Position yourself. A lot of times we don't take time to find my own position. And by positioning, what I'm saying here is a spiritual position. That I am a spiritual being, a soul, an entity that has consciousness, that's awareness, that has values, that has the power to think, that has its own identity, right? So to establish myself in that identity, position of the spiritual self that I am, the soul that I am. And I'm sure, you know, you'll hear a lot more about it in some of your, you know, interactions with the Brahma Kumaris or whatever. But we'll also try it out in our meditation a little bit. How do I position myself as a soul? The other thing is to envision the other also as a soul in a very pure way, in a clean way. Regardless of what brings us together, regardless of what the conversation is going to be. But just to kind of lay the foundation, the baseline, I am a pure spiritual being and this other one is also a pure spiritual being maybe a far-fetched in some instances right especially if i'm already in a familiar relationship and there's already a lot going on there you know it takes quite a few steps before i can reach that position but keep trying that that i am a pure being and this one is also a pure being in other words we are starting with a clean slate and we may have messed it up over time, but really we were not like that before, right? <laughs> so there is that element of establishing that identity for myself and as well as for the other person. And of course, as we are talking, listening with attention and intention, right? and this is like showing care which kind of dilutes any kind of negative feelings that the person may be holding for me, right? And is able to then receive my message in a right way. So listen with attention and listen with pure intention also in the intention to understand, so to speak. And so often we don't do this. We don't do this listening very well. And I think... Everybody will agree with me, right? <laughs> so if I want the other person to listen equally, I need to listen too, right? Eye contact as we speak, right? Very, very important. Eye contact again, not picking up the vibrations of anger, but just making sure again that I'm conveying the feeling that I have love, I have understanding, I have compassion, right? And I will use all of those qualities in my interaction. Most importantly, I feel the regular practice of what we call here, of course, silence, but just quiet mind, if we can ever do that. Regular practice of quieting the mind, silencing the mind, and, for, and to what end? so that I can again feel my original positive energy. 
of the soul that I am, the original positive energy of the soul that I am, so that I can feel respect for my own self, something that we call self-respect. I don't have to do anything grand, right? I don't have to prove myself, but I can just respect myself for who I am. Because all of us as human beings have some basic, basic qualities that we have neglected and forgotten over a period of time. And the more we can remind ourselves of that, the more we can rise in our own self-respect. And that, I feel, is at the bottom of assertiveness. My vision, my view, my feelings for myself, my worth for myself, self-respect. I do want to say one last thing, which I feel is perhaps more important than anything else. Yes, of course, what we think, how we feel, all that is important. How we speak is all important in terms of asserting myself. But I think we've all heard this little slogan, walk your talk, walk your talk. <laughs> whatever you are saying, whatever you are wanting to convey and want to be heard about, exemplify it, demonstrate it in some way, right? <laughs> and we all know the, the story of the child that was told by the parent, you know, on the phone, you know, somebody calling for the father and the child is saying somebody, you know, is calling for him and he's saying, tell them I'm not here, tell them I'm not here. And there you are, you are seeing an example, blatant example of lying. And the next day, the father tells the child, you shouldn't be lying. But dad, I saw you lying yesterday, right, on the phone. So what are we wanting our children to learn from us just by saying it aloud? It, we need role models, I think, for today in terms of, you know, uh, being assertive and that is through our own behavior that's probably the single most effective tool right <laughs> single most effective tool that adds value to our words right? by acting in the way that we whatever we are conveying so i'm going to stop there Would you would you lead us in meditation? Yes, I'm going to lead us in meditation. Let's take a few moments. Absorbing, recollecting everything that's been said. And now is the time to be assertive with my own self. To pick out 
what's been most important for me personally. So that I can take that home, think about it, value it, believe in it, and be it. Just one idea that I can take up right now to position myself as a simple, beautiful, living being. of conscious light. Holding within the consciousness. Pure and clean thoughts and feelings. This becomes the basis of my connection with myself. And with everyone. Regardless of the differences. regardless of titles, backgrounds, even past experiences. I stand on the stage of this pure intentions, pure feelings, ready to connect to communicate, to convey. And this for me is the gentle art of assertiveness. Om Shanti. Thank you. Thank you very much. There's a few questions that have come in already, actually. So if I may, the first one is, thank you for this brilliant talk. We both share the same profession. I am a pediatric um, allergist and immunologist. Oh gosh. What have children taught you in your career? about assertiveness and how would you teach assertiveness to children? 
That's a beautiful question. This has to do with the days that I would um, not only interact with children, but also their parents. And to me, what they have taught me exactly is what I said in the last sentence or so, walk the talk. I would tell them, the children, the patients that come and as well as the parents, especially when they're sick or, you know, in a pain or whatever. And, and I would tell them, don't worry. But there was a part of me that would be worried <laughs> about what the outcome is going to be and how is this going to, you know, um, be treated and so on. And so immediately um, they would pick it up. You know, in other words, I, I couldn't be effective in what I said, you know, don't worry. But I did start noticing the change, you know, as I started to practice meditation, for example. At that time, I didn't know this whole dynamic of, you know, vibrations. But as my vibrations changed, as I became more of an observer and more of a, a detached, you know, physician, so to speak, um, I began to be more assertive and effective in my direction to patients and, of course, to children, for sure. They were the first ones to respond to, to the change in the vibrations. So my lesson was, um, be it before you say it. <laughs> right? <laughs> And the second part of the question was, um, how can I... How Would can you I teach assertiveness to children? Yes. I guess you would say to them, um, the first thing I feel that I need to be very calm. I need to be an example. Um, I cannot tell them something that they, they haven't seen in front of their eyes, what that means. You know, for example, if you see somebody, you know, if you see a child shouting or getting angry and getting his way across, what you could tell them is, I hear you, but I can't hear you until you have lowered your voice, until you have calmed down. And then, of course, you hear them and you tend to their needs from that. So in other words, you really have to demonstrate what you are telling them. What does it mean to be calm, for example? You need to kind of help them to model it for you. I think that's just an example, I thought. The next question is, have I? Yes, I have. The next question is, I have the habit of taking on too much and don't have much time for myself. I feel I need to keep up with everything. How can I manage this? So why am I taking on too much? 
to prove myself to someone and someone else and someone else and someone else, or even prove to myself that I can do so much. There can be different reasons why we do that. But we all know that in the long run, that's not what I will benefit from. And I'm definitely going to run into some kind of a burnout or some kind of a stress if I don't take care of myself. So I would say um, take out just little, little bits of time, not a whole lot of time for yourself, but something that you feel energizes you. It's not so much to do with somebody else or something else or whatever, but it's something that's basically your own need. You know, you, you may have to sit with yourself for some time and find out what is that need. Is it the need for free time? Is, is it the need for you to, to be valued? Is it the need for you to feel loved? Whatever that may be. But find out that need. Not on a physical level, but on an internal level. What is that? What is it that I as a soul am looking for? And I would say take out just five to ten minutes of your day giving that to yourself. And you'll say, how am I able to do that? Because if I don't have it, you'll be amazed. <laughs> you'll be amazed. For example, if it is value that you're looking for, if it's acknowledgement that you're looking for, you can do it for yourself. You're the first person that has to do it for yourself. If it's love that I'm looking for again, doesn't have to come from outside. But I, as a source of love, can acknowledge and give to myself that love. And it's not love that I'm giving to myself because I did something great. But just the fact that I am a human being, I'm a human spirit, I have enough reason to love myself. Because God loves me. Right? So... Whatever it is that I as a soul am looking for, take out 10 minutes, 5 minutes of your time before you start going into this, that and the other. Sit quietly with yourself. Talk to yourself. Think in that way. I love myself. Or I care for myself. I value myself. Yes. So start in small doses and you'll love it. I'll tell you, you'll love it. You will love it so much that you'll want to do more of it. Thank you. Um, somebody else is saying, what you say suggests we may, we take away spontaneity and passion, two things I consider qualities in what we say or do. I've had to do that in my life over the last few years in order to avoid being manipulated and taken advantage of. However, this is stifling my personality and making me very depressed. Mm. All right. I guess, um, like everything else in life, there is balance, 
something called balance, right? <laughs> so when you find yourself, you know, being deprived of an essential element, you know, for life, which is what you call a spontaneity and passion, find it in other areas of life. Um, maybe you are practicing it in some areas of your life um, that used to give you pleasure before and you have taken that away from yourself. But maybe you can um, kind of engage those qualities in other areas of your life. Say, for example, you could maybe do it, uh, if, if it's not with a person, you could maybe do it with nature, for example. You know, you could maybe do it with, um, the, you know, going into the woods and being with, with nature or something like that. In other words, you know, shift that object of spontaneity in fashion to a place where it will not deceive you. You will still have those basic elements to some extent in your life. Not sure if I'm making sense, but um, obviously you have done it, you know, spontaneously for yourself. Nobody has told you to do it. And you're even benefiting, I think, from, you know, taking away those elements. Um, but I also many times don't see that um, you have to deprive yourself of those qualities and just being assertive. You're just putting a limit, that's all. You know, you're just keeping yourself in balance. You're not allowing yourself going overboard because of passion or because of that spontaneity. You're also keeping in mind, you know, your other commitments or your other possibility, you know, your other responsibilities, so to speak, when you're balancing them. So I think that's very possible. You can do that both. That's very interesting. We can be spontaneous, but it doesn't have to be in every situation to, to be able to. Mm -hmm. Right. More. Gosh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, there's two other questions, one, and they kind of one coin, two sides. So um, the first person is asking, talking about emotions and trying to control them when saying something, would it be right to say that you are angry without raising your voice, etc., or shall we hide those emotions to be more assertive and be heard? So that's... I'll let you answer that first. Yeah. This is what I was um, referring to in terms of cultural differences. Um, you know, when we were young, we were told, um, I mean, not told explicitly, but, but the general culture was, you know, you don't express your emotions. <laughs> and so it goes unnoticed and unheeded. But I think we live in a more of inner society and culture today where I think we do need to be more open uh, in terms of our feelings. And so um, you can definitely say, um, you know, I'm having this feeling of anger come up, but you can say it quietly, you know, it may not be that quiet, but you don't have to raise your voice in anger. Um, once you have acknowledged it for yourself, you know, it's already get, gotten its attention and you can kind of tame it, you know, you, you can kind of control 
the level of your you know anger for example and you can moderate your voice in that way so you don't have to hide it you can definitely express it but not necessarily in the way that you would have just burst out in an angry way i think once you have looked at your emotion your anger and said this is what's happening to me and you can definitely acknowledge it for yourself as well as for the other person saying that this is not making me feel good and and I'm, I'm getting angry about this you know and the more you do it the more people will accept that expression of anger in that way in other words i think people just have to get used to the way we communicate thank you the next question is um if you are at the end of someone else's if you're at the other end when someone else is being assertive and they have a very angry tone and you feel the force of that how can you be assertive back um i can feel fearful at the anger of the other person and it catches me off guard uh, it happens to me too <laughs> right so people i know somebody's thinking that they are being very assertive but of course it's mixed with some anger some emotion some frustration and you can get you know turned off or you can get stimulated by that same emotion again for you you just have to catch yourself you just become more sensitive more aware this is actually i think a good reason why we have to practice some kind of self awareness you know on an ongoing basis um because if we don't do it regularly you know what is the baseline of your self awareness you know what's the baseline that you start with is it that of peace is it that of love is it that of you know understanding whatever then you can instantly pick up that i am getting you know stimulated by that and you can watch yourself and you can shift yourself also in that way but if you um are not you know practicing on a regular basis some kind of a self awareness technique which really means going back to the soul awareness we were talking about awareness of quiet awareness of peace awareness of love you know those kind of human qualities then you can really get you know uh, tripped off very easily and once you notice it you talk to yourself again and say wait a minute i know better i know better this is something from foreign from outside trying to to get my attention but i am not that i'm not going to get swallowed up by those same kind of emotions so self talk self awareness i think mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um thank you for a brilliant talk. Thank you for insightful answers. You've got me thinking on a, on another level about assertiveness. But I love how you made it such a gentle thing for yourself and also for others. I know that there's going to be many thank yous coming in from the audience and they've started. Thank you Dr. Keller. Thank you audience for joining us and staying with us 
and we look forward to welcoming you in the back.